All right, dog fans, this is the Dogcast, episode number 354, last show before we get to the real season and real football. Let's wrap up fall camp in style. Dog fans, it's the Dogcast, episode number 354. Old dog, maybe we should call this 354A, right? After exactly. last night. Uh, guys, this is our second stab at this. We actually recorded an entire show last night, and um, I crashed it. So, we lost uh, it. We, <laughs> we lost it. So this is we, the were, s- we were celebrating in the end zone, and, and, we, and the show tore its ACL. Oh, I'm telling you. And it was gone for the season. <laughs> It is out. It's done. So this is show 354.2.0. So, Old Dog, we had a big weekend. We're out of fall camp now. That's pretty exciting, right? Yeah, yeah. Into, you know, basically the what practice is over with, just practice in general. And we're now actually setting in the game plan and setting stuff up for what I hope is both Clemson and Carolina. Right. Exactly. We're nine days from the Clemson game. We basically have two weeks to install our game plan for the Clemson game, and then we'll have two more weeks to install our game plan for those cocks. And go up against Mr. Thursday night on a Saturday. Mr. Thursday night, you know, <laughs> on a Saturday, exactly. Yeah, the Gamecocks kicking <coughs> off big Thursday against Texas A&M, the SEC Network, not showing much love to Texas A&M, but uh, I'm I'm holding out hope. Well, I mean, I don't I don't hold out a whole lot of hope for for Texas A&M. They not a were, whole lot. <laughs> I mean, they were pretty much a one trick pony, you know, with Manziel, and they had a great offensive line, which again goes to what I've said: a good offensive line can make a good team great. But their defense was just absolutely horrendous last year. They may have been the only team in the SEC that had a worse defense than we did. Right. And I don't think it's gotten any better. A&M's not ours. No, 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 and, exactly. And, of course, they lost They lost their real playmaker and their spark plug and just a, you know, 100% jerkwad too just a great american (laughs) just just a great american but you know i mean here's a guy that just embraces life and is living large and if he wants to be an arrogant ass i guess more power to him because it's american you're free to do whatever the hell you want to do till you get caught i hear you buddy well you know this this show basically this is our last show before we do before we get into the regular season the two games a week the pre the pregame show the postgame show with real show notes and things like that um you know let's wrap up fall camp basically we had two scrimmages this past weekend one uh if you will a regular scrimmage on friday night and then we had the special teams scrimmage the special special team scrimmage. super special what do you think that was old dog was that just one guy punting and one guy catching and well just from, practicing from, what the I, fair from what i understand 
is they brought in uh, Jim Broadway to punt, and they brought in Logan Gray and Rick <laughs> McGowan to show these new guys the proper way to fair catch it. To fair catch it and to not attempt to return. Is, is that what it, you – Exactly. So despite all the uh, all the talk about uh, Isaiah, Isaiah, you know, doing great and things like that, Isaiah McKenzie with his return skills, you think it really was just a let's groove in that old fair punt safe uh, program, huh? Well, I, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. We have year after year, we talk the talk, we hear the talk coming out about special teams, what's going to happen. Uh, they, they pander to the dog cast a little bit. I mean, I think we were personally responsible for Brandon Bogate getting a scholarship, <laughs> although I think he actually set his feet on the field in the game maybe two or three times, but so- at least at least he got an education. I think he does owe that to us. No doubt. Exactly. And, you, you know, know, but we always hear these great things that are going to happen and, and it never does. And I tell you, they really didn't need to scrimmage. And I'll get into this a little bit later. All they need to do is sit down and show films of Scott Warner returning punts. Yeah. Because that man never took a backward step. I mean, he was one of the greatest punt returners Georgia's ever had. Well, that's back when we had... Uh, and just absolutely fearless. That's back when we had special teams being coached by a guy named Bill Hartman. I don't know. Yeah. You season ticket holders may have heard of him, right? Um, but At least it, you put his name on the check. You put day. his name on the check, exactly. But, uh, you know, even before the special team scrimmage, old dog, we had picture day. Which I went to this past weekend on a Saturday at uh, Sanford Stadium. Strolled over there to the stadium. Basically went up on the elevator out of the bunker. Uh, came out there under the south stands. Kind of looped around up into gate number two. I had to climb those stairs yeah. that come from... You know, down to the lower you, level of the tape, up older, to the top of the tape. You got a little winded doing that, too. I know, exactly, right? I, those stairs are brutal. Um, but, uh, you know, I came up to the top, and uh, we went to picture day. Um, Justin Scott Wesley got uh, Michael Bennett and Chris Connolly were there, and Isaiah McKenzie, and uh, it was really cool. It was really cool to see Todd Gurley up there looking good. Keith Marshall looking healthy. Hey, what do you think about the reports about Keith Marshall, you know, being stronger and more balanced and more aggressive with the ball due to his rehab of his knee? Not quite so lightweight, not quite so easy to bring down between the tackles as he used to. Wouldn't that be the ultimate benefit of that knee rehab offseason program he had? It it would be, but, you know, again... Talk is talking, and I'll believe it when I see it. I know, uh, I know. You know, I I'm don't, excited though. Hey, it's I, I don't preseason, believe, baby. I don't believe having your knee reconstructed is good for you. Just like I don't think <laughs> pitchers that have Tommy John surgery are better afterwards. Well, I understand what you're saying, but if if you know, it is possible. I mean, I it is conceivable in my little my little brain, that uh, if you changed your off-season workout and all you did was focus on leg strength, hell, maybe you are, maybe, hell, maybe you did get something out of it, you know? Well, I think, I think more than anything, I think deep down, and I know they're friends, but I think deep down, Keith Marshall probably feels like he has something to prove, because if you will think back a scant 
two years ago when these guys came in. Keith Marshall was the headliner. He was going to be the star, and he kind of brought along his little buddy, Todd Gurley, because they right. wanted to play together. That's right. <laughs> and, and it's just pure human nature for Keith Marshall. I, I don't think it's resentment, but I think deep down he feels like he's probably got something to prove, you know, that he can be at least as good as Gurley, if not better. And I don't think I don't think his want and desire has anything to do with his knee getting blown out or the reconstruction. I think probably if he looked at himself in the mirror, he knew he just needed to dig down and get himself ready for the season. And it's just like a lot of these high school kids coming out. They've got so much talent. They didn't have to work hard because they were just so much better than the competition, it was more or less handed to them. And I don't mean handed to them in a way. It, it was just a gift. They were just naturally better and didn't have to work for it. Well, they've gone up to the next level, and Gurley's pushing Marshall. Yeah, Gurley is better than Marshall. Marshall saw it and, and doesn't like it. Right. I mean, and that's not saying they're not friends, and I'm sure they are, but – you know, when they were hanging out with the bunker, you know, we were tossing back some beers, having a good time. But deep down, it's kind of like me and you. I know deep down you always want to be as good or better than me. I know. And, I mean, I let's just say that I consistently <laughs> deliver. But, I mean, <laughs> so, so I, think, I, I think that probably has a lot more to do with his newfound work ethic than anything else. And, you know, how, how else are you going to spin it? He's rehabbing so hard, he's going to be better. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I agree. And like I said, I'm just hoping for the best. Hoping the best for Keith Marshall. Hoping for the best for Todd Gurley as well. We want him to be healthy all year. We wanted to play all four quarters in all 12 games or 13 games. Make that. Um, you know, I'm hoping that we have a great season, man. And uh, I'm just excited. I want to wrap up this fall camp. You know, picture day was great. Talked to Brendan Douglas. Told Brendan, you know, he hasn't had uh, the best fall camp in the world. It has nothing to do with him. We just brought in. There's just, you know, we're always replenishing. There's that just backfield. better talent. Just better talent coming in. I know. And I told Brendan, I said, you know, man, I know it hasn't been the best fall camp for you and that there's other guys trying to get slotted ahead of and you're really trying to get in the mix but i told him i said dude if you ever if you never play another down of football for the university the work you did last year in jacksonville is going to is will never die live in infamy fantastic and, and, what, and of that conversation what do you think made him feel better the fact that you told him how much you you appreciated his effort in the florida game or the fact that you pointed out he may never play for Georgia again. I mean, well, I'm sure I'm sure he left that conversation thinking, "Man, that Derek is a great dude. He's such he a, I'm me, so, he's such he a great American." So much better, <laughs> Brendan. I've got some good news and some bad news. The good news is, is what you did last year in Jacksonville was amazing, and, and it's going to be ever do. It's going to be part of every highlight video that they play in the stadium for the next decade. The bad news is 
<laughs> That's it. <laughs> You're done. Yeah, I, I hate it. But I do like uh, Brendan Douglas a lot. He's a great guy. Kid has a great attitude. He's an awesome kid. But, um, you know, I stood in line. I got those posters. You know, they wouldn't let you take anything in this year. Couldn't take well, anything they, into they the stadium. Been, you know, year after year, they've been whittling it down. And I guess that's just, you know, the society we live in. Uh, you know, you've got folks that are, you know, we're bringing in tons of stuff and then off it goes, you know, out on eBay to, to sell and all that. And we know there's one thing that the university hates and that's somebody else making money off of their, <laughs> off of their stuff. You got that right, buddy. I'll tell you, you know, you, you come in there and you're like, Oh, I've got seven helmets for my seven grandkids. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, um, so this year it was posters only. And uh, I got a couple posters signed by Bennett and Conley and Gurley. And I got a bunch of posters. I'm thinking about saving those actual autograph posters for later in the year, maybe as a prize or something. But I have about nine of the posters that are unsigned, but it's the actual, it's got the schedule on it. I'm using the the picture. If you go to the dogcast.com, the show art for this particular show is a picture of that poster. And uh, if anybody wants one, I've got nine, exactly nine, not ten, not eight. I've got nine, and um, I think shipping on that's about five or six or seven bucks, something like that. Um, if you donate me, donate me a little money, and uh, I'll stick one in a shipping tube and uh, mail it to you. First nine people, um, you know, I don't know, ten bucks, twelve bucks, something like that. Send me a little, send me a couple of dollars. I'll send you one of these posters. If, you know, you live somewhere far away and you don't have one of these, you want a poster with Gurley and Hudson Mason and Rameek Wilson and uh, I think it's got a Marlo Rare, David Andrews on it. It's a cool poster. Um, so anyway, I got some of those. Um, old dog, we've got a 5.30 kickoff for the Clemson yeah, Tigers coming kind up. Of, kind of a weird, kind of a weird kickoff time, but it'll give people plenty of time to tailgate, get enough lubricant in them to – you know, get going, and it, it should be should be a great game. You got uh, you got enough time to kind of get high, kind of come down a little bit, then yeah. kind of rally for kickoff. Exactly, and I mean, as we talked a little bit about, you know, it's going to be strength against strength and unknown against unknown. Um, you know, I think Clemson's going to rely a lot on their defense. That's obviously going to be the strength of their team, especially in the beginning, and. Is we and I always have to jade this a little bit going back two years ago when we thought we were going to have a lights out defense. You know, on paper it looks like our our offense, you know, is going to be the thing that's going to carry us because we've got so many people coming back, and you know, it, it's a question mark on defense for us, and it's a question mark on offense for Clemson. Now, you know, we know how that stuff plays out, and we're really not going to know anything until. You know, about 9:30 uh, a week from this coming Saturday. Yeah, you know, and just briefly going back to the scrimmage, the Friday night scrimmage, a couple of standout performances as well that I wanted to touch on. Just kind of get your thoughts. What do you think about John Jenkins, man, leading the number one defense and tackles? He looks like he's benefiting mightily from that lost weight a lot more activity a lot more getting to the ball you know kind of getting in there ahead of the linebackers and making some tackles like things that we didn't see last year um you know you heck there's nothing i would like to see better than see uh jordan jenkins 
cutting down some of those numbers for Rameek Wilson and Amarlo Herrera. I hope those running backs never get to the second level because Jenkins has already got them down in the backfield. How great would that be? Well, it would be. And, I mean, I think the thing that I took away more than really anyone's individual performance in it is the defense, A, looks a little more sound. They look a lot more aggressive. And they don't seem to have that kind of bewildered look as I don't know what's going on. Um, Playmakers stepping up. Exactly. One pick six. Uh, new young defensive backs really getting after the ball. A bunch of them. And, I mean, obviously every position was wide open, supposedly. I think we all knew some people were going to be set. But certainly that defensive backfield, even even if the guys hadn't been thrown off the team or transferred out, I'm not sure they would be playing anyway uh, just because they weren't that damn good. And they I weren't mean, the kind of guys. They didn't have the attitude, and the uh, they just weren't the kind of guys that Pruitt's looking for. No, I, I don't think so either. And I think he's looking for people that want to play, want to follow a system. And one of the things that that I like, it it looks like in in Pruitt's schemes, he has taken a lot of the decision making away from the players, and I think that's something that really hurt. Uh, us last year, not only our decision-making on the field, but also off the field. I mean, we're talking about guys that think in this day and time they can double-cash checks. I don't need that kind of brain power out on the field trying to decide what they think <laughs> they need to do right. to, 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 to run a good defense. I need someone that, that knows you can only deposit a check one time right. and not get caught telling them what they're going to do and them following instructions. Absolutely. Coaches coaches need to coach and players need to play. Mm-hmm. I, we, we, don't need, we don't need a whole lot of thinking going on out on the field. I agree with that wholeheartedly, buddy. And I think we're getting some of that. I'm hoping to get a little traction. Speaking of, uh, you know, bad memories, what do you take out of this talk? How are you, how much are you loving this talk that out of Louisville, Petrino and Grantham not getting along, Petrino wishing that he could fire Grantham before the season even starts, but exactly. he's locked into a five-year contract. How beautiful is that for both of those guys? It, it, I mean, it couldn't happen to two better people, and it kind of, I guess, gives you a little bit of insight into what may have been going on behind the scenes, and we will never, ever know but I still go back to my ranting and raving before Grantham finally left. I still cannot figure out why in the hell Rick and McGarity didn't fire Grantham, you know, after the season. I know. Because, I know. because there's nobody that needed firing more. And, I know. You, you wanted to send a different message, but I'm telling you. Well, getting you know, out of and, that contract and moving, offloading him to Louisville was really not a bad move, my friend. Well, I mean, the, I know the you want to send a better message, but well, uh, and you, you and don't care I about back, money, and, but uh, no, it, it's not my money, and you know, the university doesn't care about my income, right? I don't, and I don't care about theirs. If it cost them two million bucks to get rid of Grantham, they should have done it. Right, because that should that would have sent a good message all along. 
but he's gone and we don't need to do that. Again, it just goes back to my coach Rick's decision making and mine are totally different. Our philosophies are totally different. I think you win with a good offensive line. He doesn't. Um, he, he thinks you can keep, keep bad defensive coordinators around and you're going to win. I don't think you can. We'll see what happens. We'll see what um, happens. Speaking, speaking of good, great defensive coordinators, I am really digging this SEC network. Oh yeah, I know. Uh, Me I know. Too. I mean, because we have got some great women's soccer games coming up. <laughs> Dude, now, I was watching the Alabama A and M replay from 2013 with it, my with my Cheerios this past week. You know, and there are two things. I found out one thing about myself too. I would much rather watch a good college game that was played one, two, three, four years ago that I already know the outcome of than NFL exhibition football. Right. I mean, and, and I think you're in the hold, same category. I think there are a lot of people in that category. One doesn't hold a candle to the other. But the thing that and, – and one thing that really brought a lot home to me was Sunday night got in – and the 1980 Georgia-South Carolina game was on. Herschel's a freshman. George Rogers is a senior. Uh, it's the year George Rogers was was given the Heisman Trophy and also the year that the Heisman Trophy just means nothing to me anymore because no one deserved the Heisman Trophy in 1980 more than Herschel Walker did. Herschel said it. And I said it, and the two of us don't care about the Heisman Trophy. I understand the he- Herschel's Heisman, not the one there in the butt smear, but his his own. He he crushed it, pawned it, pawned it at a pawn shop in Wrightsville for a couple dollars and <laughs> took his friends out because it means that little to him. It means but, nothing. But the thing is that that was interesting to me, and, and there were a couple things that came out. One is how the size of the players at some positions have changed. They were going, I mean, we had Keith Jackson and Eric Parsegan were the announcers. Keith Jackson sporting a nice mustache and a little goatee, too. Right. And this is back in the day, and a lot of a lot of folks won't remember this. This was back when your college team could only be televised twice during the season. I know, right? And not not including a bowl game. If you got to a bowl, you could have that one on. But so, I mean, it was big-time stuff if your team got on TV. Now, myself, I was on the sidelines for that game. And I'll tell you, you need to be on the sidelines one time in your life, and you need to be in a skybox one time in your life. But neither one is a good place to watch a football game from. Right. I agree. Check and check and now I'm done. But but the off they you know, but they were going through. I think the biggest offensive lineman for either team was maybe two seventy. And he was a senior and had been through the weight program and everything else. Now we've got kids coming out of high school in the three hundreds. Right. Um you know, juniors but, in high school in the three hundreds. But on offense, really, other than the line, the size of the rest of the guys hadn't changed that much. The receivers are still pretty much the same size. Quarterback, I mean, 
it's not like Aaron Murray was a whole lot bigger than Buck Ballou was. Um, right. Certainly the running backs aren't any bigger than Herschel was, and God knows they're not any faster. And defense has changed a lot, too. I mean, the, that's really where you've seen a lot of it. You know, the, the defensive line guys are a lot bigger. The linebackers are huge. Right. I mean, the lineback, the linebackers we have now are the size of the linemen that were there in 1980. And, and damn near twice as fast. Right. But one of the other things that just was really amazing and interesting to me, too. What is was you that, had, old dog? You had two of the best running backs that year in the country going at it. And I noticed a couple things. One is Herschel toted the rock, I believe it was 43 times. George Rogers toted the rock 38 times. Yes. You know, and you know what, you know what Herschel never did? What was that? Never raised his hand. Never had to needed, come out for a Never breather. had to come out. Never, never ran out of gas on a run. And always got up, went right back and ran the thing again. Time after time after time. George Rogers kind of did the same thing, although once or twice he had to go over to the sideline to get a blow because he claimed that the Georgia players were stepping on his hands. Aww. And that's why he fumbled. But it was He never fumbled a piece of chicken, though. Not no. his entire life. <laughs> no. But it was very interesting to me to – I mean, I don't know what it is. Is it the fact that the defense is – defensive players are a lot bigger that – our running backs of today, they're getting hit by a guy that's that's 30, 40, 50 pounds more that they just can't take the punishment that the running backs of old did. Or, and something that maybe Todd Gurley and Keith Marshall and Chubb and Michael need to kind of look in the mirror, maybe the guys in 1980 were just a hell of a lot tougher than they were. <laughs> maybe. In a hell of a lot better condition. And maybe they just wanted it more. It's possible. Let's see, what, let's see. Let's find out. Let's find out this season, man. I'm looking forward to the season. I'm looking forward to a little more of that uh, Clemson trash talk. Did you see where that uh, defense alignment we, for Clemson talking about how there is no way, no way, it's not happening that George is going to run the ball down our throat. Although, did you know that only one running back ever has gotten more than 150 yards on a Brent Venables defense. Only one running back. Hmm. Who could that be? In all of Brent Venables' defensive coordinating career, he's only given up 150 yards rushing one time. Yeah, oh yeah, that's right. It's Todd Gurley in last year's game that he didn't even play the whole damn game. And he had 150 yards. It's it's going to be a good one, and we're going to know so much more, you know, after after we actually play a real team. It's it's hard to figure out what you can take out of a scrimmage. One thing I did that that gave me some hope from this last real scrimmage we had was the fact that the defense was stopping our offense on third and long. Right. And and I just hope and pray that this. I mean, you know, third and one, third and two. You, you expect half the time the opposing team's going to make that. But, you know, let's just all say a little prayer tonight or or after you listen to the dog cast, 
after you listen to 354, just get down on your knees and just pray that this year there no that other teams don't consistently convert on third and 12, third and 28, third and 52, third and 118. How about fourth and 15? You know, fourth I, and 21. Yeah, fourth and you know, fourth and I need to throw it into the graveyard on the other side of the railroad tracks. <laughs> I mean, let's just let's just hope we've gotten there. And I tell you though, Pruitt has he is an innovator. He has brought forth just a revolutionary thought on these third and longs. I, I, I can't believe that no one had ever thought of this before, but he actually brings in more guys to cover people downfield. <laughs> like brings in wait a second. He brings in more are you saying he brings in more pass defenders? I, I know when it's I an know, obvious passing down? I know you're shocked. Who would who would have thought that? I mean this guy Holy thinks crap. outside of the box and is what well, he's gotta be a genius. The next thing you're gonna tell me is he's calling for something less than a ten yard cushion when there are <laughs> more than ten yards left to go to get the first down. I, I know. It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, like third it and ten, that's goes, obviously a 20-yard cushion, right? It, it goes against everything that what we've been led to believe a sound defense is. <laughs> Dog fans, we appreciate you listening. We're just having a little fun. This is our last show before the real season starts. Now, next week, you're going to be able to download our app, which is going to have value-added content, old dog. The app costs nothing. You're going to be able to listen to every show we've ever done on demand. Plus, you're going to have access to special content such as photographs, behind-the-scenes videos, behind-the-scenes photographs of me and Old Dog tailgating at the Clemson game. Uh, if you want to see what our tailgate looks like, you want to come by and visit our tailgate. If you want access to our proprietary scouting reports that are prepared by the Dogcast intern, this is no joke. This is the real deal. We don't use some bullcrap scouting report that we pulled off of Daryl Huckabee's website or something like that. We have our own scouting report compared by our own interns. We are the original, the uh, the biggest, the baddest, the oldest Bulldog football podcast. And therefore, Old Dog, we have interns providing show notes for us. You so gotta love it. We're gonna push those pro- we're gonna push those scouting reports out over the app, you guys will be able to download and print those apps and then, I mean, those scatter reports and then to show everybody your customized, they didn't see it anywhere on the dog vent kind of scouting report and just amaze your friends with your super awesome Clemson knowledge. So, what else could you ask for? You could ask for the, us to be on a couple of new networks like Dog Sports Radio 24-7 at the vSporto app. Check the show notes at dogcast.com for our new network partners. We're also on TuneIn Radio now. We're, of course, we're number one on iTunes, but, you know, come on. We're and everywhere. Still, and still banned in, except China. Still banned, China. In, still banned in communist China. I love it when I get these emails from friends of mine and they say, Hey, do you still do that radio show thing? The dog, dogcast? How would we, how would we find that? I'm like, well, you know, you could type dogcast into Google. Man, just, and just there's like up. nine different places where you can get it from. Hell, 19 different places where you can get it from, you know? We're everywhere. Dog fans, that's going to wrap it up. Keep listening. I'm, I'm going to throw a little something, although we don't, 
we really don't need a tease to get people to come back. I'm going to throw a little a little thing out here. Next next show episode 355. We're going to tell you how for a mere two dollars, if you go to the games, you can drink soda for two dollars throughout the entire home season. Free soda, all you want, all you can drink, every game, unlimited soda, two dollars. And all, and it's only going to cost you two dollars. And the only place you can get that information is here on the Dogcast. Episode number 355, we'll share that secret along with the design for the new cup. I already have new cups. I have new cups in stock, old dog. And I have posters. Oh, did I mention posters? And Yes, you have. <laughs> in, in reusable mailing tubes. In reusable mailing tubes <laughs> that you can freaking stand on. They, but um, you didn't say anything about the T-shirts. No, no. Well, it's because I'm I'm holding back on the T-shirt a little bit. Not the T-shirt is. Uh, I don't want to tease them too much, but the T-shirt is not ready yet. Uh, the T-shirt is not back from the printer. We're working on it, and it's in process. I think the guy's drawing them by hand or something. I'm not sure, but <laughs> the T-shirts are not ready for prime time yet. But I'll tell you this. If you played our pool, old dog, I know you're a big fan of the pool. The I pool, do, I do. The pool will be back also next week, guys, in time to get your and to get your boats in for that first big Thursday night game with the Gamecocks and the Aggies. Watch your mailbox for an invitation to the pool. And if you're new to the show and you've never played the pool, let me just tell you real quick: it's a pick 'em pool that we do. It's weighted and it's against the spread. And you get to compete against me every week, and you get to see exactly where you fall in the rankings. I usually fall pretty badly, but we have hundreds of guys that play it. It's really fun. So, so you're saying, so you're saying, it's not all that unusual for someone to beat you in the pool. It is not unusual. I'll tell you this though. Um, I have heard if you're going to be one last thing, if you're the kind of guy that's going to make side bets. On the pool, like let's say, say, like the pool within the pool, like the pool within the pool. Let's say and you're the kind of guy who makes a side bet on a pool within a pool, and then you lose said side bet. You better damn well be the kind of guy that pays his debt. Pony, N- pony up, pony up a little, pony up what you lose. Welchers, not welcome, baby. Pay your debts. You moochers, you deadbeats, pay up or shut up. One or the other. Just saying. I mean, well you know, that's not it's not directed at anybody in particular. It's just a general rule of thumb for the dog cast. It's like the prince said in Cinderella, if the shoe fits. Exactly. Like, you know, the, I like my favorite way is that, you know, every group has an ugly friend. And if you look <laughs> around and don't see the ugly friend, you, my friend... Are the ugly friend. There you go. On that note, guys, we're going to wrap the show up. Look at your email box for the for the pool. If you haven't ever played the pool before and you'd like to play, there's going to be a link also for that in the show notes as well. So, guys, the show notes has links to all kinds of things this week. It's a big week. Go to the website at dogcast.com to see pictures of the posters and things like that. Guys, we appreciate you listening. Go dogs. Go dogs.